0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is about to perform to a room full of orphans. It's Richard Harris! (laughs) That is called improvisation, my friend, my fan friends. Um, And all the people at home are gone. What's going on? I don't understand. That's what's happening. That's not the speaking. So, uh, welcome to the show. (laughs) So, there, what's going on, Rich? That's what my audience are like. Welcome to Rich Harry's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I was hanging around with B Asterisk Witched the other day. Uh, you know Adele, Keavy, Lindsay, and Sinead. Sean from Shame from the Boyzone was trying to get in, but we said, well, "You're not allowed in here, mate. This is just for cool people in." That's the he's the brother of the twins. Come on, get with it. Uh, they call it Rahalastaparr. That's how they call it. God, the Scottish I don't know if you know that so um, <laughs> we'll crack straight on or nearly straight away I was just the, the, the nicest thing that's happened to me this week um, it's sort of a weird thing the, the, I saw the most joyful performance of ending I've seen Is my, my daughter started to uh, uh, like to have music played after the bath at night time so she got out of the bath and then was in her bedroom and naked and All You Need Is Love came on and she did a sort of interpretive dance <laughs> All You Need Is Love. Which is kind of weird, you know, a grown man watching a three-year-old. <laughs> she, she did like a little uh, breakdance section in the middle. I've never seen a naked breakdance before, but it's something amazing. Uh, but I particularly liked it, because when I tried to join in with the All You Need Is Love chorus and sung along, she went, No, Daddy, shut up! Which I don't think was really in the spirits of the piece uh, so look we're going to it's um, just turning into me talking about my daughter that's what it's going to be for the rest for the next 15 years and then you know there'll be the awful teenage years imagine if the podcast is still going on then oh my god I, I just hope I die so I just I hope I die so we can get out of this so anyway our guest this week is probably weirdly enough probably best known for doing a dance herself in front of Ryland from the X Factor on the TV show Up Late with Ryland. (laughs) That's why we (laughs) had to see... (laughs) Will you please welcome Sophie Willen, ladies and gentlemen! (laughs) Thank you very much. Come in. Sit down. There's a microphone under your bottom. You have to pick it up. There we go. Hello. There we go. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very good. You're very glamorous. Am I? I just put
1: loads of makeup on in the dressing room. (laughs) Uh, That was just to compensate for the wine I I drank before the... The makeup.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that t- today or yesterday? I'm, I'm still probably both. I'm still recovering from Friday night. Uh, so uh, this, the, when, as you get older, it gets drinking gets worse. I had <laughs> two drinks when I did a pub quiz and. Uh, Look at me now. Uh, <laughs> that was beautiful once. Uh, but, um, yeah, I saw you do this. I, I didn't know what it was called from the YouTube clip, but I've managed to locate the show, Up yeah. Late with Ryland. You've yeah. done quite a few episodes of Up Late that with was Ryland. My f-
1: yeah, fine hour, that. Shall yeah. I show you the moves? Yeah, I'd love to see yeah. them, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I've got a fan. <laughs> lovely. Did you see it? Up with Ryland. I'll show you the moves. Thank you very much. What's your name? Kirsten, this is just for you. (laughs) Lovely. And the first move is... But this is lovely, isn't it? You come on a nice podcast, and before you know it, you're tit-shaking at a crowd. It's lovely. And so basically, the tit-shake is the first move, and the key with the tit-shake, Richard, do you want to try it? I I
0: think I probably can do it.
1: Yeah. The thing is, you know, what you've got to do is just suddenly imagine you've suddenly grown breasts. Well, you don't have to imagine that much. But, um... (laughs) Imagine you've suddenly grown up and so you're terrified and you're desperately trying to shake them off your body. Yeah. Right, so you go... Ah, <laughs> In the yeah. breasts, Richard, that's it. Yeah, that's... <laughs>
0: little... It's going down to my stomach It's going in reason. your hips.
1: <laughs> it's going very gutty with you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's still nice, yeah, though. That's good, thank you. The second one is um, the wiggle, right? Now, the thing with the wiggle um, is you've just got to imagine, because people say they get very frightened, they go in too fast. Don't. Okay actually because I know you're tempted I can see it in your eyes but it's dangerous because my grandma had a partial prolapse from this so you've got to be very careful what you've got to do is just imagine your hips are trapped in a box Richard right and just hit every corner of the box (laughs) right that's absolutely perfect Richard you're very very (laughs) sensual what a sensual man! it's all coming out now isn't it I remember right now what you've got to do imagine try doing this to
0: end you that's my problem
1: yeah (laughs) You can take this home for your wife tonight, (laughs) right? Now, what you've got to do, Richard, is imagine... Now, when you've got every corner of the box, you want to make a circle. What do you do, Richard? in, (laughs) Polyfilarin. in. That's perfect. Very sexy. Last one. The twerk. I didn't think this is how the evening would go. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? The last one is the twerk. Now, everybody thinks with the twerk, it's in the arse. It's actually not. It's in the balls of your feet, Kirsten. Right? <laughs> it is. What you've got to do, Richard, yeah. keep your feet... Gl- the balls of your feet got to stay glued to the floor. OK. No matter how much you want this moment to end, which we all do, right, <laughs> you can't get away. Yeah. So you try and run away, but your balls of your feet stay... Gl- no, what is this? <laughs> just... It's not the Okie Koke, Just... <laughs> so you've got to try and run away. But just imagine, Richard... As it's happening, you're being electrically charged through the vagina. Okay. Right?
0: I can imagine that.
1: So it's going through the vagina, Richard, through the vagina, and then you're trying to run away.
0: Ah! Yeah, you're, you're better than me.
1: There you go. Thank, Thank you. Much. Much.
0: Oh, quite time now. Oh. He, he was, very good. Who would you enjoy? Ryland didn't join in when he when you did. No, it with he didn't. Him. You did. I did. Yes. Yeah. I
1: saw a weak prey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so well, just in case there's people at home who are not you look up, knackered
1: Do you want to am, I'm it? very
0: tired <laughs> you don't know how difficult it is. I love the way you say this is something to take home with your wife I've got two children I haven't had sex for ten years so it's a... uh <laughs> and I've got two children and they're both uh, the oldest one's three so that's, that's the worrying thing um feels like 10 years <laughs> it's, again it's a lie darling it's a lie We're, we make love all the time so, and, it, and I'm amazed <laughs> too much information cut that out uh, so um <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got your new moves now. I do, so yes, so it's will... going to be fine. I'm going yeah. to wake her up. She's going to be delighted. I'm going to wake her up <laughs> when I get home tonight. She's gonna, oh, thank you, darling. Uh, thank you for waking me up. <laughs> We're very tired. We're both very tired. You're um, have you've been you you've, you're pretty new to stand-up comedy, but you've been mm-hmm. doing quite a lot of theatre stuff before you got into stand-up comedy.
1: Yeah, it was kind of funny, but by accident. Um, it wasn't, yeah, a choice. It to, yeah. Sort of theatre, live art, cabaret, and then it went accidentally into sort of stand-up comedy. Really. How, how
0: did that accident occur?
1: Well, I started dressing up as a cat for a really long period of time and it just wasn't, it wasn't very serious. Right. But it was meant to be. <laughs> I don't know what happened. And then uh, I set up a cabaret collective for a few years. Yeah. Then we did sort of Arts Council-funded projects and different things. And then eventually... I got in touch with the BBC producer. I mean, I stood outside the Media City building and flyered every producer <laughs> right. until one of them agreed to come to my show. I felt, I think they thought it was sort of a hostage, so uh, they came to the show. And then one of them said, "Why don't you try stand-up?" So okay. that's how it happened, really. So, you're yeah, from... so it's quite new. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, so twenty two thousand fourteen was that the yeah. first
1: show? Yeah. Well, no, that was the first. That was a theatre solo right. show. And the 1st stand-up show was 2016. Right,
0: okay. And so you've yeah. been you've been winning. You won uh, best. Well, you've got nominated for best newcomer in Edinburgh.
1: Chortle, that was the well, best Chortle. newcomer. Yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, and you've won this, uh, the first recipient of this Carolina Hearn bursary. bursary. Yeah, and so then it's... the
1: Edinburgh Comedy Award last year, but yeah. it was different show. Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, that's right. So Just so showing it... off now. Yeah, but it's all that's happening very fast. Yeah. Which is great. It has happened yeah, fast. Yeah. yeah.
1: But then also a long time because the theatre and the solo shows I was doing for ages and the writing, it was all kind of tapped into this. Sure. Just slightly different, yeah. Sure.
0: Um, and so you're from Bolton. mm mm-hmm. um, that. I just picked it up. I'm like Henry Higgins. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've read that you first got into drama when you were on holiday in Ibiza with your gran, is that right? And that you went to the hotel comedy club? Yes. At the the theatre club?
1: Yeah, my grandma. Uh, I went to live with my grandma when I was about eight years old. And uh, she'd uh, just got divorced at this point, so she's having quite a renaissance. Um, and she just discovered nightclubs, feminism and zebra print, so she was having <laughs> a fucking whale. <laughs> but I mean feminism in a very, you know, 90s way. Like, she joined Anne Summers and said cock a
0: lot, so it's very... <laughs>
1: Anyway, we went to Ibiza, because she wanted to see Enigma perform live in the Café del Mar.
0: <laughs> Enigma? They, what's the, remind me who Enigma were.
1: We don't need another dance demonstration. <laughs> they did, like, sort of dance music, you know, right, it's okay. very... Doo, doo, and they had sort of weird primal sex noises just sort of thrown in. Okay. you were nodding quite intensely, did you?
0: Yeah.
1: Were you there? You remember it, yeah. It's, it was quite, it's quite... So, we, you know do, 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 ow! And it's very sudden and it really gets, you've got to be quite careful when you dance to it. Yeah. Because Grandma had a partial prolapse, like I say, through that. So you've got to be... So anyway, we went to see them in Ibiza. Yeah. Uh, and then I joined the Hotel Drama Club and I got my first role as the Crying Clown. And I performed to about, I think it was sort of four pissed sunburnt couples. But it felt like an arena. It did. And then I just had the bug after that. So I started performing and writing and I loved it. You know, it
0: seems like, you know, a hotel in Ibiza having a theatre club seems like quite surprising. I've never been to a hotel with a
1: I think it's just club. a drama. They just gave yeah. you a wig and told you to go yeah. on, you know. It's just, but it felt, you know, like the Royal Theatre, you know. It's yeah. fabulous.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's the once you're bitten by the bug. You, you you know, like our last week's guest, you've got quite a, you know, quite a confessional style to your comedy and you talk a lot about your family as well and your family is quite... Uh, Quite an unusual upbringing, I guess. For in lots I suppose of ways. so. Yeah. yeah. So you were, your mum's was is a, a, a drug addict. Sorry, yes, unfortunately. Addict. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but we are relieved she picked drugs because she was a terrible mother. So it's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It is a relief. Honestly, she's not very good at it, Richard. What's right. your mum like?
0: Well, she's probably uh, not ever had heroin, Barbara no. heroin. I'm guessing. That's a start,
1: isn't yeah. it?
0: <laughs> I don't think she's ever taken a drug of any kind. No. Uh, she's a very uh, different yeah. lady, I would say.
1: Yeah, my mum's fabulous. She just wasn't good at the mum stuff. Yeah. Like, she once tried to cut me breakfast, and it was an absolute disaster. Uh, she tried to boil me an egg, actually. It was a very simple task. It was the most stressful experience of our life. She just stood stirring at the pan for 20 minutes, just going, how do you know if it's cooked? It looks the fucking same! <laughs>
0: it's
1: very stressful. <laughs> you know. She's constantly stored under my phone as, Mum, not an emergency contact.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so... You grew up in care, is that right? I grew up in and out of foster care.
1: So, yeah, so I'd lived with my mum, and then I went into sort of temporary foster care, and then I went uh, to live with foster parents. I actually lived on a farm uh, with a couple called Auntie Dot and Uncle Harold, who were not actually my aunt and uncle, uh, but the government liked to trick you into thinking you're related. So. (laughs) If you're not confused enough,
0: <laughs> um, and then
1: after that, I went to live with my grandmother, yeah. and then at 15, I went back into supported housing. So kind of in and out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: And so you've, you've used those experiences quite a lot in your because you don't you do comedy and theatre, and you also do you you, you do stuff uh, with within the care community as well. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, yeah. So I, I sort of started out uh, when I was about 20. I started out doing theatre, and then I kind of got into producing. Because yeah. I worked with a, a, a theatre in Manchester called Contact Theatre who were all about making sure that as artists or performers or writers that you were self-produced artists, writers and performers. And your kind of political dra- drive was at the root of everything. So that was the mentoring that I was given, really. Yeah. And then from that, it was, you know, it was about how do you produce your own projects. I produced a lot of projects that were around creating, you know, kind of artistically engaged social projects in certain areas. So I did a lot with sort of racial conflicts in Bolton.
0: Yeah.
1: And then that kind of moved on. And then I started working with kids in Kerr a little bit outside of that. And then in 2015, I set up my own project called Sophie Willen's Stories of Kerr uh, that was kind of a multi-platform project with, I think, 12 partners. And we raised £150,000 to kind of... Brilliant. Oh, no, 110000 I've added on an extra 40, if I fucking know, isn't it? <laughs> £110,000 t- to kind of... It was all about redressing the balance, really, between the kind of negative, you know, representation of co-leavers and, yep. you know, mental health users and social service users and welfare recipients that seemed to get worse and worse from 2007 onwards. Yes. Which yeah. really pissed me off, actually. Well, there's so. a lot of,
0: you know, those sort of Channel 4... 4- well, they were, Scroungers a, sort of. yeah, program. Benefit Street, <laughs> yeah. Bring
1: Back the Borstal, Loose Women, you know, all these <laughs> cunty shows, I just got so angry, and yeah. I just thought, I couldn't see anybody representing my people here, and I, it wasn't positive when they were represented, and I thought there needs to be a balance, and now it's getting a bit more... In the kind of zeitgeist, that conversation again, which sure. is great, but at the time it wasn't, and it was really irritating.
0: Well, but it's you interesting know. that you've you know you've got up and done that yourself. A mm-hmm. lot of people say, oh, you know, actors, theatre's full of people from eating. Well, if I,
1: I say theatre, didn't it was it was a, basically a youth club in Manchester, <laughs> so it wasn't. It's was kind of in between theatre yeah. and you know, it kind of was a, a place that had live art and cabaret and theatre and lots of different, and it was all about being a self-produced artist, so not like a sort of actor, yeah. I suppose. You, you wrote yourself, you produced yourself, you set up your own companies. And,
0: yeah. But it's the know. creator, you know, like, I think a lot of yeah. people think, oh, those avenues aren't open to me, and understandably, because it's harder and harder. Well, they're
1: not, get... are they No, really? they aren't. Yeah, they're <laughs> but not. But
0: then if you create your own, you know, you, the exact, it's exactly the same. Any People say, oh, how do I get started in comedy? How do I get started in mm. writing? But I you wanted to and... be like
1: Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. You know, instead I'm doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> I mean, that's, you find your avenue, don't you? But it's usually the fucking cleaner uh, in Pride and Prejudice when you've got the Northern accent you know
0: yeah.
1: so you find whatever in you and you just got to go with where you're natural uh, where people will naturally place you I yeah. suppose at first yeah
0: it was tricky But so I mean you've, you've felt that there's this sort of I mean there obviously is this patronising attitude and then you got you got fated as being this working class comedian even and you know and, and, but you felt that was
1: well so I did a show called was, On Record that yeah. was kind of about um, getting my records back from social services and kind of reclaiming the negative language around mental health, social services and care levers. and I focused specifically on three words that were mentioned in my files, rebellious defiant and rude surprisingly came up a lot, I don't know why and by the end I sort of reclaimed those words, you know, rebellious as a sign of creativity, defiant as a sign of a strong will, rude, well I'm just fucking honest aren't I <laughs> And one thing I'd as well looked at my family members because a lot of them, like Maria's lot, yeah. struggle with psychosis. Um, and obviously, they did that research recently that proves that successful comedians have more psychotic traits than anybody else yeah. in any other profession. So you I think suppose- I'll be doing better. Yeah. (laughs) So I said, well, that's great for me, isn't it? Because I'm genetically wired to be fucking hilarious, you know. And a lot of the show is about kind of celebrating the attributes that come along with certain taboo mental health issues. And then at the end, I did sort of reviews of family members that kind of were called back to the beginning. So Uncle John, uh, who's a schizophrenic who spends most of his time laughing into a packet of pork scratchings in weatherspoons. At the end, you know, did chortle says, absurdist comedian Uncle John discusses life and love with a packet of poet scratchings. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a redressing. But after that, a lot of what people said was, oh, working-class comedian, oh, brilliant. We've got a northern female working-class comedian. Come on, Sophie, quick, grab your clogs and you whip it, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's...
0: I mean, it is, it's, it, you know, the circuit is a very middle-class play something the comedy circuit and you know and again essentially coming to London you sort of need to have some when I came to London you didn't need any kind of backup plan or any you know no. I, I could, you, I've could. i got on the Enterprise Alliance I've got a job where I earn £100 a week yeah. and that was enough to survive on but the idea of that now would be laughable for anyone coming to, coming to London so if you're trying to make it as a comedian it is difficult if you're, if you're starting with nothing and, you know, and, and no route through that way. So that's yeah. why I think you do, you know, you do tend to see...
1: And it's, I suppose it's quite oversaturated there. Yeah. There's a lot of people, isn't there? Isn't there it? is.
0: And, you know, and I suppose it's, it's the similar thing with all, all these aspects where we're talking about whether women and ethnic minorities and everyone are getting involved in the entertainment industry. If the people at the top are all of a certain type of people, which they are from 20 yeah. or 30 years ago, it's difficult to break through that, that barrier.
1: Yeah, I said I that. She recently It's like, "The diversity needs to come from the gatekeepers, doesn't it? Yeah. Not just kind of tokenistic. Oh, quick, we need one of those. You know, grab them quick. You know, because that's not going to work. Is no, no, If the gatekeepers are more diverse, then they'll authentically pick people that they relate to. Because it's all about who you relate to, isn't it? It's so it subjective, is I'm, I'm, I'm so... to some extent.
0: But you know, I think I think also, you know, you can, you can. Uh, if you like comedy, you can watch any kind of person doing comedy. You know, I mean, you don't have to be... You know, you have to grown up in a, in a, a, a brothel like Richard Pryor's family yeah, did suppose, to, to understand why Richard Pryor. No, amazing. but I suppose
1: that you're more likely to pick stuff that you go, that is the best of that, because yeah. you relate to it or you understand it or it's, all, it's authentic, whereas if you're trying to find it, you might miss it if yeah. you don't know it as authentically. You and, know? and that's okay, isn't it? Because there's so many different types of people and everybody's voice has a place, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you well, know? that's,
0: you know, but and also you want different stories and you want different voices in stories, you know, it's yeah. kind of, and you want different voices on the, stand-ups, on the stand-up yeah. bill. And
1: from the producer level that's yeah. why well, you yeah. want yeah. more different voices, don't yeah. you? Not just the actual acts themselves.
0: Yeah, but the danger is, I mean, and I don't think this has happened to you at all, but it's the danger is if people are, like, looking for the new, well, oh, we need that, we need yeah. that. You get grabbed too quickly, you, you know, you're not ready for that next move up, and then it's sort of... You see I've seen people where that's happened where they get taken in they go yeah. here's your you know 15 minutes in a show or here's your show and then they haven't got enough experience to What do you mean
1: 15 minutes Well in you show? know they,
0: they they get picked out you know people are looking for new people all the time right which is understandable mm. and then you put them straight on the telly then they're not ready for that you know they haven't done enough of yeah. the, the, the groundwork in the in the background and and then it can be a negative thing if you discover too soon if you so I mean
1: I think you're definitely yeah. right yeah, yeah. Yeah, I but, agree. I mean, it sounds
0: like you've got a, a good grounding in having done all this stuff I think in it's the past been well. difficult,
1: because even though I've been doing stand-up for, like, three years, I've actually been working as a writer for ten, yeah. actually, and a producer for ten. So I did theatre, I've done plays, you know, plays ensembles and then solo plays, and then I went into stand-up with all that. So that's why my shows are kind of structured hours yeah. that have that narrative. There's, there's a, there yeah. seems to be...
0: People seem to be going to theatre a lot more, which is again interesting. So, the TV companies with Fleabag and Chewing Gum, these have come kind of from a theatrical background as well.
1: Which can be positive, can't it? But then also on the other side, it's good to have like, you know, I love just straight stand up power. Yeah. You know, that's,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, it's, well, I think it's important to keep, you know, I just think things stagnate every now and again, you know, and I I think when I started doing stand up in the early early 90s, um, the late 80s, (laughs) Um, you know, it stagnated a bit. The eighties have been really interesting, and then the nineties were quite boring. Load of blokes doing gags, really. Yeah. And I didn't. Fit, I, I felt when I came back to do stand up in 2004, I kind of fitted more in because I, I didn't. I wasn't like the. It was a lot of laddie, high-status men doing. You know, quite. Yeah. Quite Where did you fit in? That? Well, I fit in more in. Low status, weird people doing. Well, I don't quite. I don't quite fit in either world. But you know, there was a lot more weird stuff going on. Again, like I imagine, the eighties was very, very yeah. weird, and lots of people who were genuinely crazy. I mean, there is this. Com- there is this connection between being slightly crazy and being a comedian. Yeah, and it's you know you see it with Maria, and then you. But then obviously with Maria. It had gone too, It goes to. It's not like oh, you might, it's, It must be great having a mental illness. You must be funny all the no, time. Because no, because no, obviously it's a, a negative uh, thing. That's it's sad, a
1: hard thing to go to control. Through, isn't yeah, it? you yeah. can't
0: control it by its very nature. You, yeah. So, but it, but it, obviously there is a connection. I, I
1: think s- there is. They say it's because like comedians connect thoughts that are never normally connected in the same that way that people with psychosis do. Yeah. So your thoughts are like really you know, abstract and abstractly connected.
0: Yeah. With a you bit know. of control, maybe. I mean, that's a bit, with the understanding of why those two things
1: are odd. Two,
0: yeah, yeah, why they're odd together. If you Yeah, just... like, my
1: mum often thinks that Freddie Mercury is speaking to her. He's not. <laughs> a comedian would know he's not. Yeah. My mum has no fucking idea. So that's the...
0: But and also, I also think a lot of comedy is sort of faking, you know, is pushing things and faking being crazy a little yeah. bit as well. I suppose so playing make... up to your persona
1: yeah. whatever that is. Because, I, you
0: know, maybe it goes. Well. I mean, it might go back through history to crazy people, you know, like the the courts of the royal families used to be just full of, they'd get crazy people in partly as entertainment, partly as wise. In the courts? You know, in the courts, like in the Russian court. I was talking about it on Netflix, uh, my Rasputin (laughs) document. (laughs) But the the Russian courts had, like, a variety of, of like, wise people who were, you know...
1: So it's like Jerry Springer
0: for... Well, not courts, but, like, the royal courts with, you know, like, jesters, rather. So they're, like, coming in, but, like, why? why, the wise fools and people with epilepsy basically coming in and rolling around on the floor and then someone going, this means you should go to war with Germany, you know, so it's that kind of thing.
1: God. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So there's a connection. There's a connection. Through history, I think, with all this, but there we go. Um, luckily, I was more more eloquent on uh, Netflix. <laughs> that bloody wasn't. It was cold in that studio. Um, so what does the Carolina Hearn bursary in, involve? What do, you, do, you, do you have to do a certain...?
1: I don't think you have to do anything, actually. I okay. think you win it, which is yeah, good, nice. and then you decide what you're doing afterwards. So I think what I want to do is hopefully develop a sitcom with Great. it, which I've done lots of different treatments... Over years and, and written up pilots yeah. and different things, so it's nice now to have a, that with a bit of backing. I suppose sure, sure. I'm going to do another one and and hopefully hopefully get it commissioned. Yeah, yeah. so they've yeah. given
0: you they've given you some money and that gives you a bit of. Freedom they give you to... a bit
1: of money and then hopefully maybe a script commission as yeah. well. You know, great. double whammy would be fabulous, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great. Right, I'll ask you some emergency questions. Oh, right, okay. See how we go. Um, going to be different ones. If every time you farted a fairy died an agonising death would you stop farting?
1: If, I probably wouldn't fuck them
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> Fair enough um, Have you ever improvised a condom?
1: I haven't but I'm intrigued now what you would do Your instinct is it a thing. plastic bag isn't it? I, yeah. What would you do?
0: Um, well, I would. I'm very careful, and I would buy prophylactics from the shop. And have <laughs> when them you I, have w- sex every ten years. I'd Have them in yeah. my wallet until the, ex- the sell-by date went by. <laughs> um, I don't think I would. You know, yeah. I don't think I would. Uh, you can just kiss and stuff, can't you? Why not? Yeah. yeah. Don't need. Don't need to go all the way. Um, what is the most uh, the strangest things you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire?
1: I don't think I've ever searched a bonfire. Yeah, what have you search. been doing with bonfires? I
0: found my... Well, our first cat I found in the embers of a bonfire. Did you? Yeah.
1: God, that's a sad okay. episode <laughs> I've ever heard one,
0: isn't it? One I? of my earliest memories.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever found any. I've never no. looked, actually.
0: Don't have a look. Next time you're near a bonfire, have a go. look in there. I bet I you'll will. find something. I bet if you go back to Bolton, you'll find some good stuff in I'm there. I'm sure,
1: definitely. They, yeah. they
0: burn all sorts of stuff up <laughs> like there. Um, if you uh, were going to be put in a human centipede... Are you aware of the Human Centipede franchise?
1: No. Ooh.
0: There's a film called The Human Centipede in which a mad doctor uh, stitches uh, three people together
1: what with their, with
0: their with their um the mouth well the first person's mouth is fine. Then right. their but their their bottom is stitched to the mouth of the second person and then their bottom is stitched. I'm sorry to shock you, Sophie. Yeah, this is... A...
1: So what, I have to pick three people out well, want to be You're in the middle. You're in the,
0: you're in the middle. Who would you like in you get, you get to choose who would be in front of you and who would be behind.
1: That's a tricky evening, isn't it?
0: And it's for life, you know. Your life won't be very long, though, so... Oh,
1: God. Who would I want that with? I feel... David Attenborough?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Oh... Uh...
0: <laughs> Is he ahead or behind? Are you eating David Attenborough's poo or are you pooing the poo? I think he
1: feels. I think. No, I don't want to eat his shit. I don't know where he's been. He's been all over the world, hasn't he? Yes. I'd like to hear him narrate what's happening to us. It would be interesting.
0: Well, that's not really in the question, but I will allow it. I'm going to allow it.
1: And then who's at the bottom end? I don't know. Cheryl Cole. She doesn't seem like she'd ever shit. So I think that would be... <laughs> okay,
0: so Cheryl Cole on the front, and you're shitting into the mouth of David Attenborough, and he's going... I'm shitting. Ah, I thought it was Cheryl. No, you're in the middle.
1: All oh, right. okay, you're yeah, well, in the middle.
0: They're both, in, both the first and the second person. I'll have and Cheryl
1: the... and David Attenborough. That's a That's yeah. good choice.
0: <laughs> 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 it's a very good choice. Um... <laughs> Let me get back to my uh, notes. Uh, so, um... I won't ask you that. That's, about, that's for uh, Maria Bamford. <laughs> so, well, that's, you worked as a sex worker uh, that you talk about in your in your set. Yes. And so, I, I'm interested so I just sort in. Just let
1: the, him stumble I'm over interested that. For in a into the,
0: I'm interested <laughs> in a lot of things about this, but I'm interested in the reaction you got from, from other feminist. Acts as much as what do you
1: mean in this show well, or that I talk about it, yeah, or just you, in general,
0: well, yeah, in general as well. And okay. that you, you 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 talked about this about helping you get you through this period of creativity, uh, by earning somebody in that way. Uh, but that that you know, the, that some feminists find that an uh, unacceptable way to behave, mm. yeah.
1: Yeah, well, i was sat up like because, like I said, I did a feminist collective in my early 20s. And I set it up with a group of women who, uh, you know, they're lovely. Uh, You know, they all had good backgrounds and bedtimes. And, you know, the kind of women who could eat half a Kit Kat and save the other half for later. (laughs) (laughs) I really admired them. And, um, you know, I set this collective up as well because I was really up for it, you know. So I paid for the website, paid for the directors, you know, paid for everything. Um, and I told one of them that I was working as an escort, and she said, Sophie, that's so unfeminist. Very judgmental. And it really pissed me off, actually, but not at the time. I was, I was full of shame at the time, you know. It was only afterwards I thought, God, you know, it always becomes a feminist issue, doesn't it, escorting and sex work? Yeah. And it's actually the only industry, you know, in this kind of patriarchal world that becomes a feminist issue, actually. We don't go into telesales offices, do we, and go, Oh, sue on the phones, you know, is she empowered? Or is she just selling carpets because she's a middle child? We don't. <laughs> you don't. So it annoyed me, you know. And I thought, well, I paid for the website, I paid for the directors. I paid. So technically, the, the, the feminist collective had been seed-funded on prostitution. <laughs> it's the irony. So I sort of wanted to write about that in the show, really, yeah. and talk about that judgment. Because I do think that, you know a lot of the conversations around feminism are dominated by women from good backgrounds sure. who set the ideals for everybody based on what's been possible for them and yeah. never does it become a social thing you know or a class thing or any any of the other things it's always a feminist issue so i suppose that's what i wanted to kind of look at yeah. really yeah. and also just to go <laughs> to them you know <laughs> so yeah
0: was it was that a hard choice for you to to go into that or was that just was it a What, the escorting?
1: Um, I mean, I was really young, so I was like 20. And, you know, you're sort of mental, aren't you, at 20? Not that you get less mental, but (laughs) slightly, I suppose. Uh, So I was sort of in denial about it. And I don't think it was sexually empowering, even though at the time I pretended it was, you know. Um, But it was economically empowering. I mean, it meant that I could, you know, set up these collectives. I could do loads of different things. But it wasn't, I think, an easy thing to do. No. No. And I wouldn't do it now. I don't think I'd be able to do that now. And I've since done loads of therapy, so I don't think I'd be able to do it now. Because you, you're basically going into rooms and you're performing at people, aren't you? Yeah. Which is not a very authentic, healthy thing to do, is it? You know.
0: Well, it, <laughs> it is. It is you know? Well, I have. You know, I've, there, there's, uh, Stuart actually used to do a routine about how he thought uh, being a well, uh, tongue in cheek slightly, but how he thought stand up comedy and sex I work are the yeah. same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're basically going in rooms with strangers going, love me for money, you know. <laughs> so it is a...
0: Yeah, at least escort work is more honest than what we're doing here.
1: Yeah, as as a, <laughs> We all know what we're less doing. Less damaging, though. Yeah. You know, because it is mental, I think, the, the escorting thing, you know. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a weird world, isn't it? But I didn't want to write a whole show on that because yeah. I do not think it should be glorified or, you know, it often gets too much attention. It's either glorified or demonised or, you know, dramatised. Yeah. And actually, I think it would, I just wanted to use it as a tool to talk about labelling in general, sure. as opposed to...
0: Did the guys who came to you sort out their parking beforehand? <laughs> or did they... You'd hope so. They, I mean, because... some
1: were taxi drivers. I mean, I don't know what they did. So, you know...
0: Because I had this experience, a lot, I was talking about last week, in which I was held up at a hotel by a man who wanted uh. to park for cheaply before he went upstairs with an escort but was trying oh, yes, to... Yes, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wondered whether he was typical. Were they quite penny-pinching the guys around the rest of the It depends, mix? really.
1: I mean, I was quite lucky. They were quite generous, yeah. but, you know, it was before the credit crunch. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Things changed, you know.
0: And do you find the kind of confessional aspect of your work, do you find that liberating? Do you think once you've talked about these things that it sort of frees you up or does it.
1: I'd like to think not. I'd like to you go for therapy first and then you talk about it on stage. Not that it's cathartic in the action.
0: Yeah. I definitely don't. I definitely use it as therapy. Do you? Yeah. (laughs) When yeah. I don't have much... When I was in my 30s, I think like I used a lot of the shows as a way of kind of fighting through things that were bothering me. I've okay. never been for therapy.
1: Have you not? No. Oh, God, you do very well Thank in character.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I always found my shows quite helpful, you know, in the end. Some of them I was, like, really properly depressed while I was doing them.
1: Oh, that's a amazing. I couldn't um, do that. I, I tried to write a show about my mum, like, a few years before, and yeah. I couldn't do it because I hadn't processed it and... I just felt that I wasn't able to look at it objectively. And I suppose because I, I like to have a, a bird's eye view on it and my story just be a kind of tool to talk about other things. Yeah. Whereas if you don't know what you think about or feel about something,
0: yeah. I don't
1: know if you'd be objective on it. But, yeah,
0: but you know, you're working through it as you do. I mean, that's, that was my way of, of thinking about something, I suppose. I don't think yeah. none of my problems have ever been on the level. Like you say, I, I, I've, I've come from a... A, a nice background where I have loving parents. It's still you know. hard
1: to do, isn't it? Yeah, that
0: no. yeah it's hard. To, but, you know, but you, you're Maybe that's to...
1: better, actually, to do it as you go in. Yeah. Because it, you know... Well, I think
0: you find, you find truths. Because think... over the
1: period of shows that you do on tour, you probably discover things, yeah, yeah. whereas I'm like, oh, fucking hell, this again. You
0: know? <laughs> I already know. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think like a lot of the truths that come out of comedy that are the serious truths, yeah. I think are fairly basic and obvious, but most people don't get a chance to stop and think about them. So like, whenever I do... A show about something like the uh, happy now is about whether happiness is attainable or or or, or whether desirable, really. And if you think about it, you realise well, actually, if you were happy all the time, that would be really fucking weird. We're not meant to be in a in a in a a state of happiness because if we were, it wouldn't be meaningless anyway. Because you need to be unhappy for happiness to have any meaning. And it's so obvious, but I think with that, if I hadn't sat down to really think through what I was, you know, whether I was content and what that meant. Yeah, you know, so you get to a, hopefully you're, you're pushing towards for, in that subject. You're pushing towards, um, you know, being less unhappy. Yeah,
1: uh,
0: but, but you need <laughs> and working to, it out. As yeah, you're but going. you need to have had the unhappiness for the for happiness to mean anything. And you also need to be aware that the happiness is a fleeting. <laughs> yeah, that it's going to yeah. go as well. You know, life goes bad at the end.
1: This is really uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's it.
0: But, so but all these things are interesting, and then they yeah. are, you know. But I think that's the. What, you know, if, you, if your job isn't to sit down and think about a subject for six months and then do yeah. jokes about it, you don't necessarily even just think of these very basic truths. And what I'm saying, I didn't anyway. Until I sat down and thought about these things, that didn't really properly strike me. You know? So yeah. I, think, I think you can work your way through quite complicated ideas and, and come to a very simple truth. And it's... I
1: think ideas are different to like emotional trauma. Yeah. I think you, know, you have to have dealt with some of... Like, I don't think you can work out your emotional trauma on a tour...
0: <laughs> On a rural tour, it's only going to
1: get worse, isn't it? But you I think
0: know? some comics do. I think comics, do, it's not like uh, over a few years, I think some comics yeah, do. So I popular, think comics, yeah. and some, you see comedians go through, well, and again, Maria was talking about that, like having that
1: yeah.
0: point where she broke down and what she was saying was nonsense and people said it's time to go to the hospital, <laughs> yeah. basically. But, you know, some comedians, you'll see them go through those moments and think, okay, maybe it's time to go to the hospital, someone <laughs> to tell you to stop taking yeah. a cane every night, uh, <laughs> or whatever it is they're doing. But, you know, it's, I, I think you exactly, I think the
1: worst thing I've found is just like, repeating myself you know the things that you've said you know a thousand times the epiphanies you've had you know 68 shows ago you yeah. still say no and you just think oh god you drive yourself mad with your own story
0: <laughs> you know it is difficult i mean that's a difficult thing but i think again that with experience yeah. of doing loads and loads of of shows yeah i got to a point where I, when i was doing shows 10 or 15 years ago if if you came and saw me halfway through the tour it wasn't that good because no. I got a bit bored of it and, you know, if the audience weren't immediately grabbing it, I was going, oh, fuck you now, well, fuck you. But now, but now I, I'm trying, trying to make it better every time. Yeah. And you would get used to that, I think. But it's, yeah, it's... I it's, think you
1: just feel sometimes a bit, you know, it's like you, you, your whole identity thing can get a bit... You, you wear yourself out with your own identity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like...
0: Yeah, yeah. But then it's constant. about... I think it's about yeah. finding your... Your, which I think you seem to have found very quickly, you've founded your, your centre and your character on stage, which is you. So, like, again... You know, Quickly-ish,
1: but then when I was in theatre, it was like, we weren't acting, we were doing solo autobiographical stuff, yeah. and for ages I was a bit like my gran. Um, and then before that I was dressing up as a cat, so I was getting everything out yeah. that I felt, but with ears on, so... <laughs> You know, it's like you, you have different <laughs> lives, don't you? And then yeah. you've, I think you finally settle into it. Maybe.
0: And how have the people around you reacted? So your family, are they, are they, they you know, you, I don't know how much of it's true, the stuff I've heard. You're talking about your families and their different problems. I think but... they
1: feel positive because I don't think I say anything mean. You know, it's not coming from a mean-spirited place. Yeah. You know, like saying my mum looks like Iggy Pop does now. It's quite a compliment. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> You know, and also we've all got a sense of humour, so I do think that helps, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: I think yeah. you do get that humour when you've had that kind of background together, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's all very interesting stuff. What's Ryland like in real life? Is he nice?
1: It's lovely. His teeth you can see your own yeah, reflection big. in. They're so, big. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he seems nice, though.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's lucky, isn't he? <laughs> so, um, and you've just started a uh, Radio 4 show that's about to go out this week, by the time this yeah. is out, it might have all been out. What, is it a, like a four-part or a six-part? Four, part. 4 parts and yeah. what's it about?
1: Um, it's called Sophie Willen's Guide to Normality. So it's a look at what is kind of normal expectations, and each episode is an instruction that we might be given. Okay. You know, like, be a parent, get a job, be polite, uh, I can't remember, the, do monogamy... And each one of them is a look at that and maybe kind of slightly challenging of that.
0: Okay. So what about monogamy? What's, what, what are you challenging in monogamy? Because monogamy's great, and I won't have a word said against... <laughs> yes. It's nothing better than being in a monogamous relationship.
1: i just say maybe there's other options, yeah. you know. And then I say, you know, I'm... You know, I wouldn't say I'm promiscuous, but I'm more of an anthropologist, you know. So <laughs> I just look at being more, being more creative with... the. Uh, the restrictions of monogamy, and especially, you know, being a woman who's turned 30, there's expectations that you need to settle down and have a baby and buy a house and, you know, do
0: all that. So you're not... Is that not something that interests you? Are you settling down, or is it... Well, I've just left
1: a relationship... So, yeah, five year, And then I came to London, uh, chopped my hair off and dyed it ginger. So it's been quite a year, actually. <laughs> so, but, so that's probably why that episode happened. Yeah, I do yeah. say at the beginning, you know, just disclaimers, just so you know, I, I'm quite raw from a breakup. So yeah. it's a See,
0: episode. So you're working through your relationship there breakup. You yeah, <laughs> through yeah, comedy, that's true, Which actually. is what I did all through my 30s, before going, mm. oh, fuck it, I'll be monogamous then. <laughs> yeah. You've ground me down... Yeah. With your love, um, <laughs> with your amazing love, uh, your dad isn't Richard Ascroft of the Verve. Neither no. is mine. We've got that in common. God, yeah. Why did you think he was the, your dad? Um, or did you think because my
1: grandma told me that he was? <laughs> so it's not a great start, is that? And she'd heard from my mum, who had drug induced psychosis at the time, but we didn't question it. Um, And they look very similar, and they're both from Wigan. (laughs) Um, And they're both quite tall and thin.
0: Yeah.
1: And my dad is the same age as Richard Ashcroft, and they went off the same year to go cold turkey and become rock stars.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So obviously, you know, in 1997, when that song came out, The Drugs Don't Work, They Just Make You Worse, But I Know I'll See Your Face Again, we thought that's him, isn't it? And he's speaking to me personally, so... (laughs) <laughs> I so I started writing letters to Richard Ashcroft
0: oh, wow. for quite a while yeah. and did he write back?
1: no he did not because
0: <laughs> 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 hello I'm your, do- I'm your secret daughter and
1: can you imagine yeah. <laughs> and also because there's lots of men that look like him around Bolton and Wigan and there's loads of kids without dads so he's probably getting a real influx of letters <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying
0: and some of them will be his kids probably, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, just the law of averages <laughs> um I'm sure he, they aren't. I don't know why I said such thing with Richard Ashcroft of the Verve is listening. <laughs> the drugs don't work, though, mate. Well done. That was correct. <laughs> um, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> cool. I'll, do, I'll, I'll try a random emergency question. There was one I wanted to... Uh, there's one I wanted to ask you. Let's see if it pops up. It might not. Um, it hasn't. What is your favourite bun that is named after a place...
1: These are fucking surreal, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are. That's the point. Um,
1: yeah, no bun.
0: This is the fourth best comedy book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what bun? What, bun. It a, I'm just trying to think of yeah. buns. I,
0: Bath bun. Shh,
1: no bun. Right. Chelsea okay. bun. All right. Don't steal all the buns. I'll have none left.
0: What, what kind of they? bun is there? Where's hot cross bun? Yeah, that's not named after a place. Well, I mean, it, I suppose it is named after a very specific Big, place. Well.
1: Oh.
0: Named after the cross of <laughs> yeah. Jesus.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. On the
0: the hill what of Bolgoffer, is that right? Uh, I don't know. I'm, you know. I'm interested in finding. I'm, my my favourite one's the Chelsea bun.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. What buns do um,
0: they in Bolton? You are. What? what what's the Bolton bun? Do they have what I don't think they
1: have a bun. They've got. Um, Come on, they must have bun. Uh, they've got uh, balm cakes. Okay. Yeah. Someone went. Yeah. Someone, yeah is there someone from Bolton.
0: Oh, yeah, it's you've
1: got it. Eccles cakes. Yeah, there's lots of cakes, but yeah. I don't know about buns.
0: Chorley cake?
1: Yep. Baitwell tart? Manchester tart?
0: Pontefract cakes?
1: Fabulous, yeah.
0: They're just bits of licorice, though, right?
1: Yeah, I'll, yeah, who they are. Who remembers
0: Pontefract cakes? My grandma loves them. My granddad used to have them. She used all to time. throw
1: them out on the roof. I used to think they were two pea coins.
0: <laughs> why did she throw them out on the roof? If she
1: didn't like them. T- <laughs> why, did
0: she, why, why didn't she learn that she didn't like them? I
1: <laughs> know. <laughs> If it was a sunny day, you'd just think they were two pences.
0: (laughs) I think we might have got onto something, the most interesting thing in that. (laughs) Why did you think some bits of licorice were two pences?
1: The way the sun shimmered on them. (laughs) They looked lovely.
0: Write a play about that. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. If you had to marry a piece of furniture, if you had to... Which piece of furniture would you wed?
1: A fire. I love fires. A fire. <laughs> I love fires, like open fires. Yeah. yeah I'd, but you've never looked that. in the
0: embers of one.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, yeah. Do that. Yeah.
0: They are nice. I've got an open fire in my house. It's my the beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing.
1: Showing off now. I am showing it?
0: off, but it's, it's very nice. And I fuck it all the time. <laughs> it really burns. Burns. Your, burns your knob. But <laughs> be careful i to use some kind of prophylactic. I use uh, asbestos.
1: <laughs>
0: um, who is this guy? Who is this, guy? Um, if you, this is a good question. I don't think I've asked this one before, and I think the other person to answer this question. They're not all childish, Sophia. I don't know what you're thinking I'm a childish person. <laughs> if you could choose which liquid you weed, you can have any liquid, what liquid would you weed?
1: Gold. Wouldn't you liquid, liquid
0: gold? Oh, liquid gold!
1: Would that be very lucrative business? Wouldn't, wouldn't that there? be very
0: hot, though? I mean, the liquid gold is—it's going to be hot,
1: but you'd be fucking loaded, wouldn't you? Be <laughs> all right.
0: Your urethra, though—you think of your poor urethra.
1: Well, liquid would be ideal to come out of your urethra. No, it's
0: boiling up. Gold's melting point is yeah, five hundred degrees Celsius. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right. Yeah, that guy says that's right. <laughs> That's good. And what would you how would you market your gold wee? So would you want to buy uh, Sophie Willans gold golden wee? Yeah,
1: so organically Wii? Uh, <laughs> produced uh, on site. Yeah. I can give you a golden shower.
0: And oh That's was disgusting,
1: wasn't that? it? Like
0: <laughs> and kill you. I yeah. <laughs> could kill you like goldfinger. I mean it's a different <laughs> version of Goldfinger, isn't it? but there we yeah.
1: go. That's a campaign number two.
0: So. <laughs> okay. Why did Itsu in Notting Hill change from a sit down sushi restaurant with all the stuff going around on a conveyor belt to just selling stuff out of fridges? What was the. <laughs> Why did Itsu, it's a sushi restaurant oh, yeah. in Notting Hill, me and my wife used to go a lot when we lived in West London, it changed from a sit down sushi restaurant where there was a conveyor belt going around yeah. to just one where you get stuff out of fridges and take them to your workplace? Why oh. did that happen?
1: Maybe because just people got a bit depressed <laughs> um, and didn't have time to sit around the conveyor I don't bar. want
0: speculation, I want the actual answer oh, to right, okay. why, why they made this.
1: Because everyone's on the go now, and it's too... A... Yeah,
0: but it was nice to sit... You know, it came round, didn't it?
1: Yeah. I thought we... Yeah, OK.
0: Yeah, maybe you weren't the right maybe person Maybe somebody
1: sat on the conveyor <laughs> belt.
0: <bar. laughs> they may have done. Uh, I went to... When I was in Melbourne, I went to uh, one where it was on a train. As so she came on a train... It's really, it called It was called sushi train. And a little, yeah, like came around and a thing. Oh, have you been I'm to Australia? From... Have you played Australia?
1: No, but I'm doing that next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I knew you were
0: going out, so yeah. you're looking forward. what well, you playing the Melbourne Festival? Yes. Oh, it's yeah, really lovely. Have you it. ever been to Australia? At I've at all? not.
1: No. Oh, yeah. I'm it's much nicer to than it.
0: England. Is that? Yeah, and it's hot out there now. Yeah, I'm, really someone nice. said
1: it's autumn, but I think they were yeah, joking.
0: It's still well. No, it's probably is coming into. They've had summer, but it's still ridiculously hot. Lovely. And the food's really nice. I haven't been yeah. for about 15 years. It might have changed. There's a mm-hmm. lot of racists there.
1: Yeah, I've heard that. Just in yeah. Australia,
0: generally. If you get a chance, go and like go around into the centre. Though you going to have a holiday there when you
1: well, I've only there for the month, which is yeah. the festival. But okay. you get Mondays off, so yeah,
0: you, can't, you haven't got time to go into the centre of Australia on Monday. Do you
1: not. <laughs> no, that's
0: oh, <laughs> true. Takes a couple of days. We drove. Um, Where's the
1: centre? Then is that Sydney?
0: Well, no, every, there's, there's not really anything. all right, Mr. Jogger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, don't you know about the geography of Australia? It's all around the edge in Australia. They waste a lot of space in Australia. There's a lot in the middle they don't really do anything with. Right, okay. Uh, and everyone's around the edge because they like surfing, I think. I think that's the reason.
1: I've got uh, brothers and sisters there, Have actually. you? I've not met them, but they're there. Oh, cool. So I might try and do that or just... Uh, invite them to the show, maybe. but they're younger than me. It's though. a
0: very interesting country, and, mm. and it's beautiful, And then the, in, but then you've got the Uluru in the middle is uh, in the middle of the country.
1: Yes, sorry. You can fly out there. <laughs>
0: he calls it Ayers Rock, Man, that's how stupid he that guy is. Uh, there's a big, big rock in the middle, but we drove, I drove there with Phil Granchy from Modern Problems in Science in 1997, uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's, you get an, an aspect on, a, how racist the country is, and B, <laughs> and how, what a bad time the Aboriginal people of uh, Australia have, uh, and uh, this amazing kind of, there's nothing, and then there's this big red rock in the middle. Right. If you get a chance yeah, to go. we'll have a look, yeah. Yeah, fly out.
1: Yeah.
0: Fly out in a helicopter for the day. Yes, um, on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and so what else is, what's, what else is, planned? Are, you, are you writing a new show for Edinburgh?
1: No, I'm, I'm not going to do a show this year, okay. and have a year off, and then go back for next the next year. Good call. Yeah, I think you've got to have something to say again, don't you? Or something yeah, you to write or yeah. an interest. I'm not well, gonna... you
0: know, I've, I've managed to just keep on going back with nothing to say, but <laughs> I, 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 think it's, I think it's the right idea. Um, I'm not doing it this year either.
1: Yeah, oh, that's, what yeah. are you
0: up to then? I'm just going to take some time off. It's tiring doing this, having ki-
1: yeah.
0: comedy and doing it. Imagine having kids as well. It's pain the i never sound had them. exhausting, They're yeah. Idiots. Could you so give them stupid.
1: back? What could you do with
0: them? they so stupid. You can't, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to put them in the wood burner. <laughs> it's just, you know, what can you do with them? So I thought I'd hang around with them for a bit. Yeah,
1: that's instead nice. Instead of going yeah. to Edinburgh.
0: Though Edinburgh's quite nice because you can hang... If you did have kids, don't have kids. But if you did have kids, I mean, it's your choice. Uh, I understand, unless, you know, the Conservatives get a bit more power, and then it's not your choice anymore uh, unless Margaret Atwood's vision of the future comes true in which case yeah okay I'll shut up
1: <laughs> um,
0: it's no it's, it's not. It's a good place to go to with kids because you get to hang around with them in the day when you're touring you don't get to that's see that's in family. Melbourne well Melbourne or, or, or anywhere that you stay in one place Melbourne's, yeah. Melbourne's a really great festival I'm sure yeah. you'll have a, a fantastic time out there because it's nice to come as a you know, someone with some impetus behind you. Something and
1: some, do, doing, yeah. 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 Which
0: which room are you playing? Do you know what the I've room no
1: is? I've no idea. I've not had a look, but I'm excited. I think it'd <laughs> be good. You know?
0: it's it's, you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. You'll have a lot of fun out there. So um, who would win in a fight, King Kong or King Dong? <laughs> do you know who King Dong is? No. <sighs> You're so young.
1: Who is King Dong?
0: King Dong um, was... He, uh, he was someone who... Was supposed to have a twenty-two-inch penis. So uh, just when a he, star. When he, well, he sort of was. But when it supposedly when I don't think it was real. Supposedly when he got an erection, um, he fainted because of the l- 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 well, loss of.
1: Well, he wouldn't win in a fight. Of l- say, so to say. <laughs>
0: well, he could use his flaccid penis to hit. I don't think anyone would beat King Kong. Really, it's a stupid penis question. Would be
1: quite powerful yeah. at that size. Wouldn't yeah.
0: yeah, you've got twenty-two inches. Yeah. You can get it up to King Kong's level. You'd have to kind of get him to pick you up somehow. Then I think King King Kong would just... It would enrage him. It would make him more annoyed.
1: It's
0: a stupid question in many ways, Sophie. (laughs) Uh, Why can't we live forever?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It'd be quite boring, wouldn't it? It would be boring. It'd
0: be awful. You would do everything... And then uh, what? And then it would still... I think the, the worst thing about living forever was just, you know, even if you've done everything, you're having quite a nice time, it's just knowing it's never going to stop. That's why I don't understand why people want to go to heaven. Because it's like, then it's just eternity. And you're yeah, not but then that-
1: maybe there's another bit after that. And then you yeah, get but then excited
0: about like that. No, maybe. You get to heaven, yeah. they go, yeah, this isn't it, yeah. yeah. I quite like that idea of the afterlife, you're not getting any answers. 'Cause everyone thinks the afterlife uh, gives you lots of answers, but it's good to get there and go, Yeah, no, we don't we know don't have a fucking We don't clue. know what's going on. <laughs> That's what wait. it's like
1: when you go to a BBC meeting, isn't it? <laughs> you get excited and they go, We don't fucking know <laughs>
0: you do so you've got this book we're going to talk about your book is this yeah. is This uh, the tales of the weird the wild and the wonderful
1: oh yeah that um, I wrote that that was a children's book okay. I wrote that with a group of Kerr leavers last year cool. so we all um, that was part of the stories of Kerr project so we kind of wrote children's fiction all the kids in the book uh, all the fictional characters have had some Kerr experience themselves or not had normal uh, family backgrounds and then they're available to buy online, and we give out thousands of copies to kids in Kerr now. So, yeah, that's that book. So, it's that's still nice. available on Amazon. Yeah, you can buy it for 5 99 or if you're a cheapskate, you can download it for free on your Kindle. Oh. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I think it, we're going to go from strength to strength. I'm very excited to see what you uh, are doing next. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for coming in. We it's give tough, a massive it? round of applause. Thank Sophie you. Willen! <laughs> listening do Richard Herring's That's the Square Thief Podcast and I am Richard Herring my guest was Sophie Willen thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed it if you're listening to this music now and wondering who is it's by it's my best come on get with the programme dudes and also I'd like to thank everyone at the Square Theatre everyone at Go Fast and Stripe and everyone at the British Comedy Guide and everyone at iTunes and I'd like to thank Brian Blessed for not being in this particular episode I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. And it is a Sky Potato Fuzz, gofastestrike.com production. I might still be on tour by the time this goes out. If I am, come and see me on tour. Come on, and be fun.